impact fashion, it's Be Impactful, a show about the women making a difference in their own corners of the world. I'm Rifki Itzkowitz, and on today's show, I talk with a friend about the epiphany that led to her company, what it really looks like when business goes bad, and that time she conspired with my husband to keep a secret from me. of Shira Stern, and I've told her this, was that she was the mommy of Instagram. If someone asked her an inappropriate question, she calmly explained why that's none of their business and moved on. She's a real class act. Originally, we planned to talk about inclusivity and how she's worked to make Swaddle be open to everyone. We do touch on that, along with what a recall of one of her most popular products did to her business and personal finances. Like I said, Shira's a class act. What's fun about this is that like you and I talk and text all the time and now we get to do it and it's work also, which is exciting. Now it's not just us goofing off. Exactly. And you know, it's really funny because you were telling me how like your whole point of this podcast is to realize, you know, like the humanity behind every person and like everyone started somewhere like they don't see us now, but we're literally like, (laughs) you know, lounging in our own houses all comfy and can't see us because this is just a recording but we're like on a video chat doing this so yeah we're, we're on a video chat and there are no wigs involved it's, <laughs> <laughs> the wigs have come off and it's just us having a good time so I want to know from you Shira what were you like as a little kid where'd you grow up uh, what was your personality like talk me through tiny little Shira okay so I grew up in Israel I lived in Israel until I was 12 um, I was always, it's funny because when you see Aliza, I'm, I was very much like that. My mom freaks out. She's, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to just gonna explain for the people that aren't following me. Um, my daughter, Aliza is two and a half years old and she's on my account pretty often. So and she's freaking adorable. <laughs> Thank you. So I was very much like her, you know, running around dancing, um, very curious, um, definitely, you know, some level of like ADHD a little bit. Um, Aliza doesn't have that I did. Um, and yes, I grew up in Israel. The culture is very different, but my parents are American. So we kind of grew up American in Israel. And yeah, that's pretty much it. When you moved here, did you move to New York? Yes. Yeah, so my dad is from Canada. My mom's from Muncie, New York. So um, when I was 12, we moved here to Muncie and been living here ever since. And you stayed. Yeah, well, my husband's also from Muncie, so local I think boys. we're staying. Yep. <laughs> I married a local boy also. My that's husband, awesome. I grew up on a street that's about 10 minutes walking away from the street that my husband grew up on, and it makes, like, everything so simple because we're super close to both of our families, and, like, I didn't feel like making gefilte fish for Shabbos this week, so I called my mother-in-law, and I was like, are you making an extra one? Because I could use it. And, yeah, it makes things very simple. But anyways, um, so you, for anyone who doesn't know, um, you are Swaddleby. Like, I'm sure that people call you Swaddleby in the street. People call me <laughs> Impact Fashion in the street. Um, with, and can you tell me a little bit more, oh, what is what is Swaddleby? Okay, so Swaddleby is 
Um, it's funny because my business coach is like, you have to stop describing yourself as a brand that sells baby gifts. Like you're a lot more than that. So it's a little like complicated how to explain it, but I am a manufacturer. I produce um, baby gifts and it all started um, when my daughter, Aliza, was born. She was extremely colicky and I tried finding a babysitter for her so I could continue college and go back to work. I was um, finishing up my bachelor's in science. I wanted to become a respiratory therapist back then. And um, no babysitter would take her, no, nothing, because she was so hard. She was impossible. And at the same time, we kept trying to shop for blankets for her because babies are supposed to be swaddled and she refused to be swaddled with anything. So first we were buying every blanket we could think of and then we started buying fabrics. Um, until I came across this fabric. It was like a super soft, we call it minky material. I put it against her cheeks and she stopped crying and went to sleep. And I'm like, oh my God. So I'm like, okay, it's, it happened one time. It's not going to continue. So then um, we try it again and again and she loves it. I'm like, this is crazy. And I had a friend with a colicky baby. I'm like, try this blanket and it worked. I'm like, I need to sell this. That's it. So, <laughs> and you were like, wow, I have come across this miracle blanket exactly. that takes the, like the worst babies that no one can soothe and it just soothes them. Exactly. So I actually looked into the, you know, sensory aspect of this, spoke to different therapists and doctors to understand and realized that it's just the way the blanket is made. It's like a one directional, super soft, smooth, but buttery feel. And when it goes against the cheek, it's not like a hairy, quote unquote, type of blanket. Oh, it's, it's in the nap of it. Yeah. It's so in the it's, nap of it. Okay. I'm a fabric, like I'm a fabric person. So I know this, but you're right. It's in the, it's in the way that it's a really one directional nap. Right. Right. Yeah. So, okay. So for people who don't know what that means, um, the nap of a fabric is the direction that the fibers lie. Not all fabrics have nap, um, but the ones that do have nap, um, think of like sequin pillows that you can push the sequins one way or the other way and, and they turn to different colors. Um, so some fabrics are multi-directional that way. Some velvets, when you push them one way, they'll have a certain color. Um, and when you push them the other way, they'll have a different color. And you're right. The minky bee material has a really strong one-way nap. It doesn't really want to be pushed in the other way. Like it almost doesn't work if you try to do it. And then it, and, and then it, it stays super soft that way. Right. That's exactly. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So that's, and it was funny now that we're talking at this point in the business, I didn't realize how, you know, how, when you, sh you like go into a store and you see an adorable pair of like little tiny baby shoes and you're like, Oh, it's so cute. I want it in my size. So you don't actually mean that you want it in your size. You just mean it's so cute. Right. So no, sometimes I want it <laughs> Right. <laughs> for the record. Sometimes I legitimately want it. Oh yeah. So my customers kept requesting, um, make it an adult size. And I'm like, okay, they, they want it just like I want the cute, like little tiny dress that I saw somewhere. I'm like, I didn't think it was serious until one customer, um, her name is Maura Gitti on Instagram, and she starts a petition, petition that Swaddley makes them. I'm like, okay, these people are actually serious. Right. So I decided to, I, I spoke to my factory and they said, you know, with excess fabric, because I would want to make a small quantity. I'm not going to order a large quantity. I don't know if it's going to sell. They said they can make with the excess fabric I have, they can make 30 of them. 
And within an hour, they completely sold out. So I realized, wow, this is like a thing that adults want at this point, you know, and thank right. God it's been selling really great. So we've not just been solving, you know, baby's colic issues. It's, you know, just a cozy set. Even if you don't have sensory issues, cozy. Blanket. Right. It just feels so yummy. And I can say this because uh, it was recently my birthday and my husband and Shira pulled off like, it was a secret operation of the century. <laughs> it really was. And the best part is that, like, again, me and Shira, like, we talk in text pretty often. And I had been talking, I had bought um, a uh, an adult-sized blanket as a, as a baby present for someone. Um, and I had gotten it from you. And I had, like, uh, whatever. The person who got it will listen to this and they will know that I did feel it before I gave it to them. Because I was like, this can't possibly be <laughs> as yummy as everyone says. Like, let's get real. It's a blanket. I don't have babies, so I didn't really know, like, the world of baby blankets at all. And I get this blanket that I had gotten that I was, you know, planning on gifting to someone. And I feel it. I was like, oh, it's pretty soft. Like, it's pretty, it's pretty yummy. And then, whatever. I, I gifted it. I move on. Three weeks later, maybe two weeks, two, three weeks later, it's my birthday. And my husband has texted all of my friends who I've met on Instagram that it's my birthday. Um, and he tells me this because he, cause he knew that like a lot of the people who you meet um, through business or whatever, like when your birthday is, is not something that comes up. It's just not something that you ask people. And he, he tells me, he's like, I want all of your friends to know when you're, when you're, he didn't tell me that he did this, but the whole day I'm getting birthday texts from people. And I'm trying to figure out when did I tell them that it's my birthday today. Like, when did this come up? And I can't figure it out. Later, when we're um, at dinner that night, he says, he's like, oh, by the way, did you get birthday texts today? And I was like, yeah, tons of them. Um, and I, I was like, yeah, tons of them. I'm I don't know how everyone knew. And he's like, well, I told them. I messaged all of the people who you know on Instagram that it's your birthday. Cut to maybe a week later when he fills me in on the rest of the details, which was that he had decided that morning, uh, the morning of my birthday, that he wanted to get me the adult blanket. Um, and he didn't want, and he knew that you would probably, once you knew it was my birthday, you would probably text me happy birthday. And he didn't want that. He didn't want me to think that anything was up if you knew that it was my birthday and nobody else did. So then he started texting everyone else <laughs> to let them know that it's my birthday. <laughs> And this, and I didn't know that the blanket was coming. I didn't know that anything was happening. So a week later when it shows up, I'm really surprised. It's so freaking cozy. I can't even tell you. It lives <laughs> on my couch. It's the first place that I go every day. Like it's just, it's just yummy and, and adorable. And then I got that whole crazy thing and you knew the whole time and you didn't say anything. Every you should day. know that how many people's secrets I keep, you know, <laughs> we have, we sell baby gifts and people have things on hold. So we know gender, we know if people are pregnant, they're not right. telling people. So I'm used to it. I never would have said happy birthday to you if you didn't tell me yourself right. that it was your birthday. Right. It had come up in conversation um, between the two of us that my birthday was today, actually, while we were trying to schedule this podcast. Um, yeah. Okay. Anyways, that aside, the blanket is freaking comfortable. Um, I want to go back a little bit because you said that you wanted to be a respiratory therapist. Um, out of curiosity, what the heck is that? <laughs> okay. So I love the medical field and I'm not a school person. As I mentioned before, I have slightly, you know, I have ADHD. I just, I can't do school for a long time. I was not a strong student. I did well in the subjects I liked and I did it in the ones I didn't. So I wanted to do something in the medical field. I didn't want to become a nurse because that was too typical for me. So I had a friend who was a respiratory therapist. Um, they basically, um, nurses used to be, do a job of respiratory therapist and they felt like they needed like 
a specific person to do it, like changing traits and like just dealing with like, you know, the respiratory part of Right. So it wasn't once you came across this blanket that was helping Aliza that you just that you decided like this is a better plan or or was there something about it? Like, was it hard for you to give up doing that? If Like you said, you love the medical. No, I I realized that I mean, I always want in my whole life, I wanted to become a therapist because I wanted to help people. I wanted and then I realized I'm going to be too emotionally drained. I can't be a mom and be a therapist just for my personality. So once I started this platform and I started connecting with people and felt like I was making a difference in people's lives, doing um, our weekly Mama's Mondays we do, which is like, you know, asking a question, helping people out. And my page became a place where, you know, women of all ages, of all like, you know, stages in life, ask questions and we get answers and we connect together. So I realized that I could do that with my business. And I, I'm so thankful that, you know, this kind of fell into my lap because I would not have been, I wouldn't have felt like I was fulfilling my life's purpose, being in the hospital, changing people's traits because I'm, I like to communicate with people and I like to really be involved. And although, you know, that would have been special at some points, it's also a little bit of a hard job. It's a little depressing. So it's not something that would have really fit for my personality. I just didn't want to do a lot of schooling. So, right. you know, that was yeah, my no, immature I, I, reasoning for- No, that makes perfect sense to me, actually. All of that makes perfect sense to me. I wanted to get out of college as quickly as possible. I was just <laughs> so not into it. Um, you mentioned that you're that you you try to make your business a space for all types of women and all um, and all types of people. And I have to say that as someone who is not a mom, I genuinely enjoy following you. And most of what you post is like mom and baby related, but somehow it doesn't seem, I don't know, it doesn't seem like mommy bloggery or it doesn't seem like, it, it just feels like a fun place where everyone can have a good time. And I certainly have a good time there. Um, and I'm curious how that like, was that something that you did in, like, intentionally? Is that just your personality? Like, how important is it to you that all types of people feel included in Swaddleby? Right. So when I started these Mama's Mondays, I had some single girls reaching out, like, can we answer? Can we win prizes? Can we get involved? I'm like, yeah, absolutely. So it kind of started like that. I'm like, so I started making them more inclusive to people at different stages you know, many times I will do obviously, you know, labor and delivery tips and thing like that. But I also wanted to include women in general and empowering women um, because, you know, single girls are women. And um, Hell yes. so that was, and then it's, I think it just slowly happened. And then someone reached out to me from um, an infertility page and told me, you know, I really, I just want to tell you that you know, your page for some reason, like I can't follow baby businesses, but I feel like there's so much more there. And I don't feel like you're, you're just focused as like, you know, hope this is causing you baby fever and things like that. There's just a lot more. And once people started telling that to me, it became a lot more of a focus and I try to be more sensitive and I try to, obviously I'm still posting babies. It is my business, but there's a way of doing things in a little bit more of a sensitive way that it's not like in your face. And that's not my style anyway. Like I don't like to overly promote each product, like push, push, push. I like things to like happen naturally and flow. And maybe that's not a good marketing strategy, but I need to enjoy my job. So that's what I do. Oh, I'm totally with you right there. I think it is a good marketing strategy just because it, well, aside from the fact that I'm sure that it works fine for you, it's just that I think that people can tell when you're not having a good time. 
You know, I think that people can tell when you don't want to be there, which is why, like for myself personally, if I'm having a really awful day or if I'm just not feeling like being out there socially, like I will stay home in my pajamas and watch a movie and that's fine. Um, And I think that people need to give themselves that space to, you know, to to pull back in that way. And you're right. It's just it's just something that that works, you know, because people can tell that you're really genuine about the message that you're putting out because that's what you that's what you actually believe. You really you really mean it. And, and that really comes across. Right. And you know, what's funny, the way I started the whole mama's Monday thing that I do is that I was up at night, crazy hours every single night with my daughter. She wouldn't sleep for more than 45 minutes straight. Holy and I remember, so I had this account. I remember posting once at like 3am, like any other moms up with their kids. <laughs> if you are, you get like a prize message me or like, <laughs> you know, you, you earn something and like, right. Kind of my way of like, you know, I felt a lot. We're all in it together. Exactly. We're all awake at three o'clock in the morning, just doing our best. So I started oh giving out prizes like that. And I'm like, wow, this feels so good. Okay. Let me connect more people. Let me, let me make something out of this. Right. Let's I'm not do this far. at three o'clock in the morning. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, that's actually kind of great. Um, talk to me about your brand princesses. How did that uh, end prince? I should say, how did that, how did that happen? How did that come about? Who are they also? Can you tell me a little bit about them for someone who might not know? Right. Okay. So the whole thing started where I made a, f- a few friends on Instagram um, who are from a different community. Um, and in, in this specific like mom community on Instagram, it's not like a place. It's just like what they do is they have these small shops who have brand ambassadors and brand like enthusiasts and things like that. And the brands pick it based on different things, sometimes baby cuteness, sometimes who takes better pictures, the most creative, and they get either discounts or things for free based on the level of their, you know, representation of that little tiny small mom shop. And a lot of these moms reached out to me and asked me like, why don't you run a brand rep thing? And it just, I felt so uncomfortable with the idea. I'm like, my, I can't have a brand where like I'm picking and choosing like cute babies. Like, I don't know. Like, I think all babies are cute. It just, it just didn't like resonate with me. It didn't work for me, but also these people were my customers. So I wanted to make them happy. So I was friends with this woman. Her name was Brandy Connor. She has a really cute daughter named Vera. She has Down syndrome. She is our, the face of our brand at this time. Um, if you go to our website and you'll see the main face over there that Michelle Moses illustrated. Um, so I kind of connected with her and I'm like, you know what? She's becoming our brand princess. You know, I'm friends with her. Why not? And um, that's really how it started. And then I was working with Barry from Barriana and she had a daughter like close to my daughter's age. I'm like, fine, she could be a brand princess. And I'm like, Hey, we don't have a brand prince. So I asked my friend Brandy, I'm like, do you know anyone um, that would be, that would want to be a brand prince? Like, okay, fine. So I didn't want to do like a competition or a contest. I kind of like let people quote unquote become that. So those the people from that like community of moms like felt like our company was like that. They, that's how they connect on Instagram. And then, you know, some of them kind right. of. Some of your customers felt that it was important to have that. Right. I totally understand why you would feel uncomfortable holding like a Miss Baby USA contest. Exactly. Like that's just uh, like, I also, that to me just feels a little, I, I don't know. It just feels a little, I'm, I'm cringing a right. tiny bit. Um, which if it works for people who do that, great. It's just, I don't think it would be my jam either. Um, 
I think that your choice of Vera is uncon. I don't want to say unconventional, but a lot of times, uh, I can't think of any other company right now, and I can't think of any other person really who would like automatically just be like, yeah, she has Down syndrome, whatever. She'll just be the brand princess. Like, I think that for a lot of people, that would be a huge stumbling block um, to get through. And it doesn't sound like that was even like really a consideration that you had about it. You should know that, first of all, I have an uncle who has Down syndrome and I real I, I've worked with kids who have special needs and it's just a community that I always like, you know, loved and wanted to show off because they're so freaking cute and it wasn't a question in my mind it wasn't like oh let me have a brand princess who has down syndrome it was like i'm friends with brandy she takes adorable pictures you want to be a brand princess and i think that's what inclusivity like really should be it's not about you know inclusivity and having categories it's like inclusivity means that everyone is the same and everyone's the same you're a child at from this and this age, you fit into our stuff. You're welcome to be part of our community. Right. Um, I don't like the whole, like, there are some brands that will ask um, children with, like, you know, special needs to join. And it's kind of like the category, like, we include them. And they make, right. that makes me so uncomfortable because that's not inclusivity. Right. Inclusivity that, that's, is. That's like no token different. representation. Right. So um, that was something that it just happened that way way and then obviously we are super proud of it and we love showing her off and she's adorable um she is stinking cute by the way go check out swaddlebee.com she really is um and what i also love is that by i've gotten to know vera a little bit and i've gotten to know brandy a little bit just through you and i'm not someone who has any experience with um with people with down syndrome with special needs um kids really it's just not something that i've come across and then i have this little window into into someone who is dealing with that and that's also and like dealing almost feels like too strong of a word it's just like this is what she has and this is and this is how they live and then I feel like you took it a step further with your coloring book pages because which I loved so much by the way shout out to Michelle for doing a fabulous job as always and shout out to you for an amazing idea because you you had a point when you when you had to shut down your business um And during that time, you couldn't tell anyone why you needed to shut down your business, um, which I can only imagine how stressful that was for you. Um, And you still wanted to put something, you still wanted to give to people. You still wanted to put something out there in the world and keep people interested. So you put out these coloring book pages that were um, pages that people could print out for free and just enjoy. And they were, and they featured kids who had lots of different disabilities or lots of or, or things that were just different. The one that sticks out in my mind is the, um, is the one with the eye patch. Cause right. that was, you should yeah. know that a couple of doctor's offices reached out to me and asked if they could print it out and have it at their like That's table so when the kids come in. Yeah. That's so great. So I feel like that took it even a step further when, when you had this really terrible situation that things needed to be shut down. Um, and we could talk more about that in the recall if you want. Um, but sure. it, um, yeah, like what, I, I want to talk about the coloring book pages first, which is like, what was it that you were just like, let's just do this? Or was it, I need something to do to fill this time while I can't tell anyone that there's, that that the product is being recalled? Like what, what was that? What were those, what was it? Six weeks, I think? Eight weeks, maybe? Probably something like that. What, like, talk me through your brain in those six to eight okay. weeks, because I can't even imagine. We find out that we may have to conduct a recall and we're not allowed to talk about it, which is really strange because if you're selling a product that could potentially be like 
and hazard a hazard it should not take the cpsc that long to process it but it does it's crazy right either way um they're actually been working on like passing some sort of bill that these things should ha- like happen in a couple of days right can um, you go back a little bit um just for someone who might not know um and just say what the issue was so that people can yeah talk. so i had an item called a lovey bee which is a security blanket that has two snap attachments which you could attach a pacifier you could attach a teething toy um people attach pictures of their family it's kind of a cute little security item made of the same um minky blanket material that we were talking about before um and and one of the snaps came loose on a customer's thing and she reported it to me and um you know i'm just saying whatever i'm allowed to share um not giving information about the specific person um but either way after that ha- happened um the first my first reaction was i know this is not okay and I shut down. And that's just because the, the snap coming loose, that meant that the snap itself was separate from the blanket and it's a choking hazard. Right, exactly. Okay. Um, I mean, you know, it's crazy because when I came out with it, you mess. I don't know if you remember this, when I came out with this I do product, remember this. You messaged me and you're like, by the, by the way, there are better snaps to you. Right. Yeah, no, because I remember, like, I remembered you saying that like, be, be careful with the snaps or something. I think that, I don't, I don't think that you must have not said anything because I know that legally you couldn't. Um, but I noticed something about like, you had done this really close up way of, of showing the snaps. Um, and I noticed that they were hand sewn on and that just takes a long time. And if you rivet snaps, they're much faster to put on. So I think that was what I had messaged you about that. They should be riveted in because it'll just be simpler. It'll just be faster. Right. uh, So what I did then is I didn't think it would come off, but I was just teaching people how to take it off gently. Right. Um, which, you know, I just didn't want them to break or whatever. So, um, fast forward, um, we, the second I found out about this, I shut down my website and I'm like, now I could say this at this point. Which you were not legally obligated to do, by the way, to no, shut down the site. I just, I just wanted to stay safe. Right. You, the safest thing to do at that point was to shut down my website. I wasn't going to continue selling and then get in trouble for continuing after I knew, you know, first I took that product off and two seconds later, I'm like, I'm closing it. I, I don't want to get it. I, I don't want to get into any trouble. Now I spoke to the customer. I told her I'm going to speak to my lawyer and get back to you. Now you have to understand, obviously I, I have an LLC. I have a lawyer, but I don't have a lawyer for this. Who does? So it was actually really overwhelming. And I, I kept, you know, she kept wanting to know like what's happening, what's happening. I had to kind of run my page and say, our site is currently down for a little bit. Like I didn't, I couldn't say more. It took us a really long time to, like not a long time, it felt like a long time, but it took a week to find a lawyer who said the whole thing was going to cost us over $20,000. And I'm like, I haven't even oh made $20,000 this year. <laughs> you know, oh it was God. like, I can't do this. Um, so finally I spoke to someone who I've met at the JWE event, which is the Jewish Women Entrepreneurship. And she had a lawyer for me. She has done a recall herself before. She guided me through the whole entire thing. And yeah, it was crazy. It was a really rough time. And and once I had a lawyer and he explained the process to me and how long it's going to take and that I'm not allowed to talk about it at all and that I shouldn't sell any of my products before I test them many times, not many times, many different tests. Um, so I realized I need to do something. And I called Michelle. I'm like, we have to do something. And she has done an illustration for my website. I'm like, okay, could you please 
um, give it to me in black and white. So it could be like a coloring book page. Um, and then people loved it. So I just kept asking her to come up with different, you know, things. And once a week I dropped it and it was kind of like, at least I'm collecting email addresses because in order to, right. to print it out. So like, that was my way of continuing my business at the time. Um, and then, um, so the coloring book pages, focusing on that, um, right. it was very important to me to include all children of all races different countries, different everything, but we didn't want to do it so obviously and explain to each, each one. Like we gave features that make them look Asian. We gave features. We didn't want to say that. So right. if you look at the pictures and now that, now that I said this, you may be able to notice how different things could be different, you know, ethnicities and different things like that, but we didn't want to point it straight out. So obviously if a kid is in a wheelchair, that's very obvious, right. but some other things are not so obvious, which we didn't want to do because inclusivity is not about pointing out these things. And we kind of wanted people to give their kids the coloring book pages and not say, look, there's a kid in a wheelchair. They want to say, look, there's kids playing ball. And the kid right. could ask. And if the kid doesn't ask, because really kids only react strangely to things that are different. If we react strangely, if we make it normal, they'll understand. She right. has a wheelchair. I don't. So right. kids mirror our reactions. So if we're going to, you know, be awkward around someone who's in a wheelchair, has an eye patch or whatever it is, then the kids will learn that like, okay, there's something weird here, but otherwise they're just to kids. It's just kids. Um, I can't imagine the, like if someone told me today, you need to shut your business down. Um, I would probably have a, like a breakdown, a meltdown. And the fact that you're a functioning human being now, I think is really impressive. Um, you should just yeah. know that how many times I consider closing <laughs> it down. But then I kept going back. I'm like, I have such a strong community. And, you know, it's like, it's, it's something that I don't, you know, love how like I walk everywhere and people are like, oh my gosh, are you swaddle Not that I don't love it. I love that I have that recognition. I'm just like, sometimes you just want to go grocery shopping by yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And also I'm like a little bit like shy. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm not really shy. I just, I, I'm not a, a social, I'm, I'm very, everyone thinks I'm an, um, an extrovert, but I'm really an introvert. So same, way, same so by the way. Really? So same. Yeah. Like for me, I like going to a party just as much as the next person, but I literally need to like go to the bathroom by myself for five minutes just to like recoup. And, okay. and like, take a deep breath and be like, okay, you've spoken to a lot of people. You, there's two more hours left. Like, go do what you need to do. And I'm good with people, but I would, like, I recharge when I'm alone. I love that. Yeah. Really. Like, exactly. Yeah. It's, and I think that's also just a good trait for someone who runs a business to have. Cause I don't know about you. I spend most of my day alone, like right. exactly. patterning or packing boxes or whatever. Like that's, yeah, it's, it's an alone activity being an exactly. entrepreneur. It just is. But um, because of all this recognition, I realized what a, what a brand recognition I had and people knew who I was. I'm like, I built such a strong business. I'm not shutting down. And if you look at like, you know, statistics and most businesses that go through a recall shut down and you should know, like we've been through months where we haven't like gone to the grocery. I, my father-in-law is a caterer and we take food from him. We go into my parents have food from him up until very, very recently. Um, and it completely shut us down. It completely put us to 
every single penny we were making from our business from when we opened was going to the lawyer and going to our credit card bills um, that like we're trying to make up for all of this. So it really put us in like a crazy place. And I think people didn't understand that when we said we did a voluntary recall, it wasn't like, oh, our stuff aren't like perfect. Let's do a recall. Um, we were forced to do that recall. We just chose to report ourselves ourselves instead of them catching us if they find out about this before we report ourselves um it costs about forty thousand dollar fine for not reporting yourself wow and they call it a voluntary recall when you come like on your own right that's just like the technical legal and term. until today exactly so people thought like we did it like you know for the heck of it it wasn't <laughs> And you know, even even today, we're still. Um, anytime someone suddenly remembers, oh, I forgot to return um, the levy B to get a, you know, a refund. I have to pay the lawyer that month a lot of money. So they might be getting eighteen to twenty four dollars back, but that's costing me that plus that fee for that month. So, um, it, yeah, it really it, it was a very difficult time, and it still is, and it still you know comes to right. bite all the time. But um, thank God, like. You know, we're pushing something that I something that up. yeah, of course not. You know, it's and I shouldn't say of course not because it's not a given, but because I know you, it's kind of a given. Um, but it's also it's just that something that you did recently, which I was as I was watching those videos, I was like, no, nope, Shira is braver than I am because I would never do that. Um, like I just I don't I couldn't. You got on your stories and you explained that to people. You said every time that there's a month when even one person requests a, re requests a refund, which you're entitled to do, you bought this product, it's it's a recall, you're entitled to do that. But every time that someone does that, even if there's only one person that month, it could cost me, it does cost me hundreds of dollars in lawyer's fees every single month. So please do me a favor. If you ever bought the Levy B, if you're ever, if you, if you are planning on, you know, getting your refund, refund right, right, if you're planning on asking for a refund, please do it now because then I only need to pay the lawyer once and that can, and that really makes a big difference. Um, like I can't, there's a, there, you have to have a certain level of a, just like confidence in your community, like confidence in the people around you to feel comfortable to say, I have a ridiculous lawyer bill and I need you to help me with this. Right. And also to just say, like, can you help me out? Like, can you, can you help me out? Can you do this? And there's, and it, and in a lot of ways you're, admitting a fault um you know you're it's something that went wrong it's definitely not something that a lot of people talk about I don't think that I could have made that request I would have just like probably been in a corner just being like I hope everyone else forgets about this because oh my god these bills um what what made you decide to do that was it just because you felt like you had no other choice honestly um I don't find the conversation of money uncomfortable. I know that's a very uncomfortable thing for a lot of people. For me to tell people that we've been through months that we weren't able to, we literally didn't buy anything. Like that card never got swiped. Whatever I needed, I took from my parents. My mom was helping us pay our rent. And otherwise, you know, we would have not been right. able to do that. So it's something I'm not ashamed of. It's something like this is life. There are people that struggle. There are people that don't. And I know it's a topic that scares people, but it doesn't. So I felt comfortable saying that. And I realized at this point, I just, I'm going to come off like in a little bit of like a begging kind of way, which is not 
like so professional and if that's the best thing to do, but I just, I, I can't anymore. Like when I finally feel like, oh wow, this month I could treat myself to something nice. I could try to finally do some self care that costs money that I've been wanting to do. And then suddenly I get that one email. So this person's $18 that they're getting back is costing me a whole month of waiting for something that I've been looking forward to and trying to put away. So um, I'm like, I have to do this. I can't, you know, I, right. I felt like it was like a sticking up for myself kind of thing because people don't realize, you know, what, what it does. So if I don't tell them, how could I be upset? Because every time I would get another email, I would be like, what are they thinking? Like, do they realize that they're asking me for $18, but they, it's costing me a lot more? I'm like, no, they don't realize no, that. They don't. I have to tell them. Right. So, I, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have even figured. Right. Honest, honestly, I would, I would just assume that it was like you send, I send you back the blanket, you send me my 20 bucks. Like I, I wouldn't even think that right. there's any back end stuff that has right. to happen. It also happens to be really complicated because something like this, um, my friend actually spoke to a rabbi who said, if you enjoy this product, you're not allowed to ask for a refund according to Torah law. Um, but according to the government, wait one second, walk backwards. Um, if, okay. So someone, someone asked a rabbi and they said that if you have enjoyed it, meaning let's say you like, you've had it for a year. Do you feel like you got your $20 worth out of this item? Meaning obviously you were hoping it would last forever, but also they could still keep it. They just have to take off the snaps so they can find an alternative way of using it. So the rabbi said, like, it's a little, you have to think about it. Like, do you really need this money? Do you realize what it's doing to this? family right. like this is you know it's, it's a lot more complicated than that which obviously I'm not saying this at all to make anyone that had asked for it feel guilty at all um, it was just an interesting perspective how you're forced to do something this is a lifetime recall at any point throughout my life someone could reach out to me and say I still have it I finally took off my snaps here you go and then I have to pay the lawyer that fee that month it's just how the government works it's the law but it's just, you know, sometimes right. the law is not the most, you know, the, the correct thing to do. Right. There's a difference between people. legal and ethical. So it was really nice how um, a whole like huge Instagram community of people, I didn't even ask them. And they're like, don't ask for a refund. Don't ask for a refund. And someone messaged me like, are you embarrassed that people are like pitying you? I'm like, no, because I'll take it. <laughs> I'm losing my mind. <laughs> we don't have the money. I was, I was borrowing money to pay people their refund money. Like that money already went towards things. You know what I'm right. saying? Right. So it's most, I, I think that it's also something important for people to realize is that like we, we both run small businesses and when like, listen, there are some small businesses that do $5 million a year. That's not the kind of businesses that you and I run. <laughs> you know, we run the kind of small businesses that, that, you know, a lot of people kind of derogated, um, in, in a derogatory way, refer to them as lifestyle businesses, which is that like, we're not going to employ 50 people. I mean, one day we will, but right now it's like, we're not dealing with a lot of people. It's just us and our families and it supports our current lifestyle. Um, and it's like in the startup world, that's like a very like, Oh, it's just a lifestyle business. Um, and I think that people like our customers and, and probably also just people who follow us, they see, they see someone who is running a business and doing all the things that you would be doing, by the way, if it was a $5 million business and they just assume that you have the money that like, that you are a $5 million business. Or they base it on followers. Oh my God. Don't get Oh, you have 20,000 followers. You must be making $20,000 a day. <laughs> I know. Oh my God. 
please don't get me started on that. <laughs> followers don't pay your rent, people. I don't know about you, but my landlord does not accept followers as payment. And it's not like you get a penny for every follower that you have. Oh my God, it drives me so nuts. Oh, here's the thing. If you have a functioning business that's making dollars, you should value those dollars a lot more than the number of followers. Right. And that's all exactly. that I'm going to say on this because I could rant on this for like literally two hours. Um, but yes, anyone who wants that can message me or something. Um, <laughs> but I think that people assume that like, like you said, if you have a lot of followers, if you're very busy, then you must be making a lot of money. And that's not something that is true. Like it's just... There's, there's almost no, and I have a lot of friends who, has, who run businesses. We both do. I'm, I can think of no one who is like rolling in it and just like right. constantly raking it in. And the people who are have been doing it for like 10 years. You know, they start, they start, you know, making a sustainable living like around year 10 or, or whatever. Um, and you said Swaddleby is two years old. Impact Fashion is, is three years old. Like this is, these are things that take time to, to grow. And yeah, there's a, there's a lot that people don't realize, but I give you a lot of credit for just telling them, for just being like, yeah, this is something that needs to happen. If, you know, it, like you said, how can I be upset at people for requesting, um, for like dragging out this requesting of the refund if I don't tell them that every time they do that, it's costing me a monthly retainer on a lawyer. Like it's costing me, um, it's costing me that money. So I guess the point of this is just that you have a way more better guts than I do. And I could have never done that. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's my, I think that's my point. Um, I'll give that yeah. to my parents. Cause I, I don't even understand why I should like not be able to do it. So, so I guess there are certain things parents. that I'm like that. There are certain things I'm like that. And I'm like, what? It's not a big deal. I, I, maybe it is the money thing. I don't know. It, really is, do. it is a topic that people are uncomfortable right. with. About. Yeah, I really don't like, like talking I about money. I felt comfortable saying, oh, I can't afford that right now. I had friends who were embarrassed that wanted to pretend they could afford it now. So it's just, it's a personality. Right. It's just a personality. Right. Yeah, I'm trying to think, I'm trying to think if I would, like if I would say to someone, no, I can't afford it right now. Listen, I know plenty of people who went into debt because they couldn't say like, I, no, I can't, I can't buy that right now. I, I can't afford that right now. And that's, I don't know, it's, it's really, it's, it, it's almost frustrating because it's like all you needed to do was tell me like a friend actually told me one time that a friend is a loose term a person who I knew um <laughs> was she was upset at me because I she felt like I had pressured her into buying something um in, into going on a trip and I and I said to her I was like you could have just said no like you could have just you could have just told me that's not going to work. Or can we do something closer to home? Can we do something less expensive? Can we do, you could have just told me, you know, oh, no, but you would have felt bad. I was like, first of all, you don't know that I wouldn't have cared. I just want to spend time with you. Um, yeah. And it, it was a very interesting kind of experience, but yeah, I guess people don't like talking about money. I also just don't, I think it's more than that though. Cause I think that people don't like to admit when they're wrong or when like they've made a mistake. Um, and this whole recall was just, it, it was a mistake. Like it was a mistake in the manufacturing and it happens. Um, and it happened. And just because of the nature of your product that it sold to babies, it needed to go through this whole process. Um, but what you were basically doing and throughout the whole process of the recall, you were just coming forward and saying, yeah, I made this mistake. It's a big mistake. It's an expensive mistake. And I need your help to make it less. I, I need your help to make it even just a tiny bit better. Um, and I was completely open and honest with everyone about everything. I helped over at this point, we're up to 32 businesses become CPSC approved after this. That's awesome. That's how many businesses are running without knowing anything about the CPSC like we did it. Right. And 
thank God we came out with the product again and it's selling amazing with safe snaps, which I was like neurotic about and paid three times. Like there was no need for that many test things, but I did that. And yeah. you know, at this point it feels really good to have, I'm, like I, not only did I learn from it, but I taught so many people, um, you know, about all this product safety that was just not out there. Right. That's awesome. This has been like so crazy eye-opening. If people want to learn more about you, Shira, where can they go to find out more? They could come check out my Instagram account at Swaddleby. Um, and that's basically that. And we have a website, www.swaddleby.com. <laughs> Fabulous. And the last question that I want to ask you is what I ask everyone who comes on the show. And that is to you, Shira Stern, what does it mean to make an impact? Um, I think making an impact is making meaning in your own personal life and then, you know, sharing some of it with other people um, because you could only make an impact if it's something that you're really passionate about. And sometimes people try to create their own little passions or sometimes fake passions. Like this is how I'm changing the world and look at me and I'm doing this charity and that charity. But it's really when you do things like authentically from yourself um, without trying to make an impact is where you make the biggest impact. I could not agree more. Thank you so much for speaking with me today, Shira. I really appreciate sure, it. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening today. You can access the show notes by swiping up on the cover art. You'll find a link to swaddlebeat.com there. Make sure to check out Shira's super comfy and adorable line. I highly recommend it. To hear more episodes, subscribe or head over to impactfashionnyc.com slash blog slash podcast. While you're there, feel free to check out what's new in the world of size-inclusive modest fashion. If you enjoyed this episode and want to help more people hear it, leave a review with your favorite part from this or any other episodes. I know that I learned a lot from Shira today. I want to hear what you learned. The episode art was designed by Michelle Moses. Original music by Nissan Fetman. This episode was produced and hosted by me, Rifki Itzkowitz. Catch me on Instagram and Facebook at impact.fashion.myc. As always, here's to making an impact together.